It's 2022, which means it's a renewal year and you need CEUs. 30 if you're in South Carolina, and three of those have to be on ethics, jurisprudence, and whatever else goes in that category. Look, the year's going by fast, and you can knock out all those requirements with a MedBridge subscription, and you can get 40% off with the discount code BETTERFASTERPOD. I have a friend named Shelly, and she's a little lazy. Her words, not mine. She hasn't done any Con Ed over the past year and a half until she got her subscription set up. And what she does is she just puts modules on her phone while she watches 90 Day Fiance. Great show, by the way. Is she learning anything? No. But is she getting the local governing bodies off her bat? Yes. Your subscription also includes NSCA credits, OCS certification prep courses, patient education, home exercise programs, EMR integration. There's tons and tons of resources. Again, use the discount code BETTERFASTERPOD to get 40% off your individual subscription. That's the best price that MedBridge offers, okay? Only the best for our listeners. Now enjoy the episode. All right, we're rolling. Happy Wednesday. Happy Ash Wednesday. Ash Wednesday, yeah. Professor Podcast. Josh, what you get over Lent this year? Oh, I'm doing I'm doing a few things, man. I'm trying to make it hard on myself. That's the point, right? Um, so uh, we're going to have no alcohol at all. And I'm not a huge drinker, but I do enjoy a little bourbon here and there and a beer here and there. Um, but uh, I do enjoy my cigars. So I'm going to give no cigars from this time, too. Okay. Um, and then uh, two things that I really eat a lot of that I probably need to control anyway. Chocolate and cheese. Those two things. I put cheese chocolate on a lot of stuff and I eat chocolate way too much. So chocolate, cheese, alcohol, cigars, boom, 40 days. Life is worth living. You know, it's, a, it's supposed to be a challenge, right? So these are all some things that I do enjoy and uh, I do have a part of it that are going to be a little bit harder for me. And so yeah. uh, we're going we're gonna to start the day. I had a beer last night, which I normally don't have one during the week. I had one last night just as like my, all right, here it is, my Fat Tuesday beer. Yeah. And then uh, now nothing nothing for 40 days, man. I hear you. Uh, one time years ago, I made a bad joke saying I was going to give up church for Lent and I did that for the wrong crowd. So that's a different that, story. I was going to say, that yeah. probably didn't go No, well. no, it didn't. So I'm never, I'm never saying that again. I'm actually more active than I've ever been in my life with church, by the way. Um, shout out to Northside. Hey, yeah, Northside. But, dude, I, I was I was trying to think about this. Like, I'm, I've been pretty good about most of my vices besides caffeine, and I just can't do it. I, would, yeah, I don't I think it would be good for our patients or our business <laughs> right, exactly, if, we, exactly. if we collectively gave up caffeine as I'm sitting yep. here drinking my third yep. cup of coffee of the day. <laughs> so I've got I've, I've developed this, this habit, this bad habit. Dude, Aldi has these... French toast sticks. They're protein French toast sticks, so you don't feel as bad about it. <laughs> it, has, it doesn't even have that protein. It just yeah. say protein on it. Every night, man, I'll throw about it. six of those in the microwave, heat them up for a minute, four seconds, wash them down with a the minute glass. and four seconds. Yeah, that's all you need. Why a minute get, some, get some just right, just hot enough. So not a minute five. Not too not soggy. Minute, minute four. Yeah, I found, <laughs> I found this. It's a science. I found the sweet spot. <laughs> Trust the science. And I wash it down with a glass of whole milk. I've been doing that every single night, basically since like October. And so, swole, so that's what I'm. That's what I'm giving up. That's what I'm giving up. So yeah, uh, yeah. right before bed, probably not a good time to do that. Either. Yeah, you yeah. know, it just, depends. You're all about you lift that. You lift late though in the evening. Yeah, I'm just right? trying. So, yeah, it's all awesome. like gains, right? Bro. So yeah, the protein. You're basically giving up gains for Lent. Okay. Yeah, basically right. giving up the gains. Yeah, so that's a sacrifice. So I might replace it with the cheese that you're not. There you go. You have the cheese. Man, I put cheese on there. I eat cheese by itself. It's bad. Yeah, I gotta. I gotta. It's gonna be hard. So this episode, we were going to talk about FRC. I mentioned, yeah, I mentioned last week. Right? I yeah, you back went to Cal, uh, all the way out to California for it. All the way nice to California. Vacay. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, like I said, quick trip, right? But it was yeah. a good trip. Uh, I, 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 re, I was a big fan. This is one of those courses I wish I would have taken a lot earlier in my career. And Con Ed can be hit or miss. I've, I've never taken a Con Ed course where I've never gotten something from it. But I felt like there's a lot of things that were pretty valuable with this. So. 
If you're not familiar with it, FRC, FRC stands for Functional Range Conditioning. So this is where you've gotten the cars and the pails and rails from. So basically, one day, Saturday was spent... Saturday, Saturday was spent we're talking about cars and practicing. It was a lot of practical stuff. And Sunday was all pails and rails. And, and I'm not going to get into the weeds of this too much, but this is developed by the, the Canadian PhD, Dr. Spina. And if you haven't seen his stuff, I think a good place to start is probably actually with Bioflow. It makes a lot mm-hmm. of sense. It just kind of talks about the whole concept about you know how our body is full of cells that are constantly turning over and, and uh, over and over again and how we can kind of take advantage of that in terms of movement and creating change over time. And the way this course worked is it was taught by Hunter Cook. He goes by Hunter Fitness. That's one of the socials. He's a pretty mm-hmm. popular dude online. And a lot, a lot of you know, cool, actionable stuff on Instagram as far as implementing these things. But it was really... I like this and it fits in well with my my code and our model here in terms of using active strategies giving someone an internal locus of control mm-hmm. to, to create change and also being patient with things, realizing that tissue change takes a long time. It takes weeks, months, and, and years for some people. Right? Yeah, for sure. No, I think it, it kind of what you meant, it mentioned, it fits into kind of like the ethos of what we're trying to create here. We, we, we utilize manual in our practice, you know, when needed, but, you know, the goal is to, you know, minimize what I'm doing to someone or for someone and trying to find strategies that they can implement on their own because the goal that whole better faster idea is to you know we don't want to see someone forever right and it might be not great from a business model perspective but like that's kind of what our belief is like your goal is to get them out the door with the strategies they need so they come in as little as necessary mm-hmm. and so I, I love using these strategies and I, I mean I've been using them as well for a little bit kind of like you had a little more informally but now I'm excited to learn more from from you now that you've gone through it um, I think these are wonderful ways to try to drive that change that we're looking for but through something that they can do on their own consistently because that's what needs to happen. The, the two hours a week I might see somebody through two visits and the, the little bit of maintenance we might do, that's not driving the change that we really need long term. It's got to be in between and the in between visit stuff that if they can drill these things, that's really how we're going to get drive that change. Yeah, for sure. And so I think just there's a, there's a, there's a lot of concepts with this and they had a lot of pre-reading that I immediately didn't get through every single bit of before the course, but, uh, but, but if, I, there's a few big takeaways that I got from this. So basically starting with Saturday, the CARS. So CARS stands for Controlled Articular Rotations. And if you, you just kind of casually look at a video on YouTube or Instagram, it looks like you're basically doing joint circles. But mm-hmm. there, there's a lot more to that. And when you're doing these things, there's there's concepts we talked about before about irradiation, creating mm-hmm. tension in other parts of the body, some breathing that goes with this. But the big thing is when you do these CARS, these are distinct patterns. And you are basically making sure that you work in that outer edges of someone's range of motion and the whole concept is built around influencing someone's joint capsule right so if we think about like joint capsule being one of the white tissues versus red tissues like right. muscle bellies lower metabolic activity lower cell turnover it's slower and so it takes time it takes load to, to be able to change that and basically whenever you do this you really have to you know you can use cars as an assessment and a treatment and there's different levels to this where you can introduce blocks and introduce load. But honestly, like the, the baseline, they call it the morning routine. It's where you go cervical, thoracic lumbar, scap, shoulder, elbow, wrist, hips, 
knees, ankles, and toes. Right, mm-hmm. do those you know once a day, and they literally can be just one rep. You know, they're, yeah. they're not too specific about how many reps you need to do, but it can just be one. You can knock it down five minutes. I've actually experimented with doing or just completely replacing my da- dynamic warm up just for the for a week, and it's really helped. Yeah, I was going to ask you if you had been playing yeah. around with it. Yeah. Have you been doing it in the morning, or is it more just pre training? I, I, like, I do a pre training. I do a pre training at night, and and I still believe in dynamic warm up, and I'm not going to do that forever. But I just wanted just to just to try yeah, something to different. See how well prepared but, you. But it, it's, I'm still doing the Windler five through one, so it's really you know help feel pretty good getting these in range positions so i like it a lot but getting back to like what it's supposed to change essentially it's going back to you know, introducing the alpha pro in collagen right and creating mm-hmm. tissue change at the joint capsule in and of itself which does it takes time and it takes consistency but you you can it's scientifically proven you can influence that and there were also some nuances that i think carry over into my current practice you know thinking about just you know shoulders and hips that i work with all day every day mm-hmm. it's basically when you're trying to influence a joint capsule if you start with the rotational components first you're going to get more carryover into the single player movements like you know things in the sagittal plane like flexion extension things mm-hmm. in the frontal plane like hip abduction hip adduction whatever so so really kind of hammering the rotational components can really carry over to the other Motion. So just you know, think about that if you're if you're a physical therapist who sees a lot of post ops and your range and shoulders. If you are already doing it, you may want to prioritize working on internal and external rotation first before you start working on all the other planes of motion. See what you get. Just play around. With yeah. The experiment. No, that's that's interesting, man. And I know you're going to go through that morning routine with us during our next staff meeting. So I'm yeah. pumped to uh, I'm pumped to hear you kind of go through it with all of us. And then I'll probably you know I'm the same way I like to experiment on myself first a lot of times. So I'm sure that I'll follow a similar structure. Let's see let's see how it goes for a little bit. Um, but it, it does make sense, right? When we're talking about any kind of warm up, like why would that have felt like a good potential warm up for some some lifting or things afterwards? It's you, we are trying to unlock and work within whatever available range of motion we have or need for the desired task that's coming up. And so mm-hmm. these are taking you through all of the available range of motion that you have. And yes, we're, we're long-term hoping to increase that, but at least it's taking you to those different end ranges. You're, you have now, you're creating tension in those end ranges. It would make sense that that would help us feel good like if you do that at the hip and then go into a squat, right? So I can see the carry over there. Yeah. Um, and, and so I'm, I'm pumped to try to influence, uh, to add a few of these too. So that was all Saturday, right? That was all Saturday. All Saturday. Um, and then um, Sunday was a little different. Sunday was different. Sunday was, was pails and rails. So okay. pails, pails and rails. Pails stands for pro- progressive angle isometric loading. Rails is regressive angle isometric loading. And so they're, they're, they're T-shirts. They say control yourself. So it's all about basically establishing control of your body at every mm-hmm. angle you can possibly conceive. And there's there's you know pain implications. There's performance implications. And we use examples from how this could work with a little old lady to a circus old performer who might have it really is basically a legit contortionist, but maybe mm-hmm. to actually approach angles that they can't currently get. And how do you do that? Right. 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 And and so there there are a lot of steps to this, and I'm trying to figure out the best way to consolidate it for this podcast. But I think it, the the probably a thing to I, I'm gonna give an example here. All right, so if we think just a classic um, hamstring position, mm-hmm. right? So so we're not saying we're we're trying to do this to change muscles. We're not thinking about hip flexor hamstring. We're thinking about how can we improve the ability for someone to bring their leg up higher. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe the goal is to if you're a martial artist to be able to go from kicking someone in the chest to kicking someone in the head, for example. Right. Mm-hmm. So let's say that you are the the practitioner, the the clinician, therapist, person, whatever you are, and you you have the patient laying on their back and you have them in kind of that classic you know hamstring stretch position. Right. The way this would work is if you 
bring them up in a position where they feel a comfortable stretch, right? You kind of just let them chill. So not for, necessarily maximal right. as far as just comfortable stretch. Right, okay. right. Comfortable stretch, and you just chill for a couple minutes. Talk to them, you know, just shoot the shit a little bit, just kind of hang out. And so they kind of in, increase their stretch tolerance. And so then the progressive angle would be basically the, the, the side of the hamstrings, right? Mm-hmm. The regressive angle would be the front where the hip flexor is, right? right? So you're thinking like big angle versus Let's little angle, right? mm-hmm. So the way you would do it is it, it's, it's different than PNF. That's the thing there. That's the first thing I said. This isn't just PNF. There's, there's more to it than this. So after you have them hold that, that two-minute comfortable stretch position, you would have them push into your bottom hand. So they're basically going into hip extension isometrically. You start mm-hmm. them out about 20% tension, have them yeah, they build, build, build over, right? all the yep. way up to 100%, which basically they say cue is as hard as you safely can. They're going to hold that for 10 seconds, and then they're immediately going to lift. So use the regressive side. So that would be going into hip flexion from there, and they're going to hold that at max effort for 10 seconds. They ramp that one back up. They ramp that one up, right? Mm -hmm. And you're either going to lift or you're going to just use those muscles Right, you might, you might not actually gain any length, right. but you're still firing right. what you need to get. Right. Trying to, yeah. Exactly. If you get a new angle, then you're going to have them relax that new angle, and you're going to repeat as many times as you need to. That same two-minute and then or, ramp or, up each way? 20, t- 10 seconds. Like, build up to like okay. a 10 so, so say they do that, the regressive angle, they gain actually a little bit. Yeah. You would immediately go back into the progressive angle. Progressive angle. You wouldn't do another, like, static hold for a little bit. Correct. You okay. could. You could. No, you could do that. Yeah, sorry. I'm sorry, I misunderstood. Yeah, you could do, yeah, you might want to do the two minutes if you need okay. to, if you need to go that long. Yeah, okay. you get be used to that stress position if yeah. need be however long it takes them to recover yeah and then you repeat that whole process again sorry i misunderstood that no, yeah, yeah. yeah but yeah so and, and then so again if you're thinking about your patients who there's a huge gap between their active and their passive range of motion you know it, the flexibility is is in there yeah, right? yeah. it's just more about they have to control that and so that's just a really basic example um you you with with frc stuff a lot of times you're going to see the the hip 90 90 position being yeah, done that's I've, that. I've used homework. rails and rails with my mm-hmm. ankle dorsiflexion too right. i've been really trying to drive that a little bit or, right. you know, getting the regressive pull into dorsiflexion right. after doing kind of that ramp up and drive into the floor with plantar flexion. So, right. Yeah, I, I like that. And there's another curl there, I guess, we're talking about whenever people start to develop degenerative changes in the hip and the shoulder. Internal rotation is going to be the first one that falls by the wayside. So for the shoulder, big fans of using pails and rails in the sleeper stretch position. And he kind of highlighted, he said, there's a famous physical therapist hit name, but it's eh, about Mike Mike Reynolds, yeah. Yeah, who shot on the, the sleeper Super, stretch yeah. thing. It was bad. And it's just... You know, there's no such thing as a bad exercise, right? It's just yeah. going to be the right thing for the right person. person. Yeah, the person able to right. get in that yeah. position safely. Or, right. Yeah. But, I, but I do think it's probably easy for someone to probably irritate themselves if they aren't paying attention. For sure. Not, they're not taught appropriately, that kind of thing, too. So yeah, if you're but, just cranking down on it without right. having really knowing what you're trying to do. Yeah. Um, and, and But again, like I, I've followed this stuff for years and years you know, online kind of secondhand but i would say getting the the formal training is definitely definitely that worth was it. gonna be my question is because i mean we've done variations of these or things in our practice you know since you know i've been doing it since i started i know you've been doing it for a long time too okay. so i was wondering how much you felt like it was needed to go and get like hear from the horse's mouth so to speak devil's in the details yeah. devil's in the details and it was in the, in the, the the course over the weekend was was probably pfft. 75% practical, 25% didactic, and, Which and is practical awesome. part. Yeah, that's that's, that's why they give you the pre reading we're supposed to do. I'm call, very call. much like, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> I'm like a psychomotor learning by doing kind of person, and, yeah. and, and that was right up my alley. So, yeah. so big fan of it. I thought it was well done. And again, they're all about building tissue resilience. The other things that I've been trying to think about, like about my, my ACL and MCL patients, whenever they have tears, how am I going to load them in actual valgus positions to where mm-hmm. they're not going to be in a 
vulnerable position more, or maybe, you know, maybe take an ankle sprain where, you know, you're going to get them strong in inversion. So if it happens again, right, because mm-hmm. that life happens, maybe it's just a grade one and not a grade three. So little, little mm-hmm. concepts, things like that, where this all kind of fits in. So um, again, it's, it's more levels to this. And that was just a very, very basic one, but it's a really good place to start. And, and, and I'm a big fan of it. I'd say it's probably a fundamental course that I think every clinician in the outpatient world should be familiar with. Nice. So, so within their structure of courses, um, do they have like this is is this like what they call their level one, and they have like other tiers, or is this like do they have things that are different avenues along? How does how does it work within their organization? They have this whole flow chart, All right? So you can probably Google FRC flow chart, and it shows you everything. I mean, it's it's like. There's Ken stretch classes where this fits in, and and honestly, I think if we offer that here, that's a nice way to to make a make some money off that. I think we I think I think you benefit a lot of people. Be honest with you, you charge like thirty bucks a pop, and you can probably fill your class with ten fifteen people, and and do it, knock it out in thirty minutes to an hour. they also have like manual therapy versions of this, kind of use that as assessment pieces, things like that. Yeah. It's it's pretty complex. Again, I was pretty pretty focused just on this one. But right. if you if you look at the flow chart, it'll kind of show you kind of how it flows through into the next one. And again, kind of there's always going to be those elements about it's basically like karate when you're a kid. It's right, mm-hmm. okay, you got to keep coming to the weekend classes to get the next belt, mm-hmm. next belt, yeah, that sort yeah, of thing. For sure, for but, sure. But yeah, so but so you kind of have to take some things with a grain of salt. But I do, I, I'm I'm gonna likely do another course with them. I don't know what yet, but yeah, I'll yeah for sure. sure. Yeah. yeah, I know there's a, obviously there's always a recency bias after a new course, and mm-hmm. so implementing it with patients, we tend you come back from a kneeling course, you want to kneel everybody, right? Yeah. Uh, so so this I mean, there's probably been a little bit of that since you've been back, but have you found like a ton of instances, not just from that bias, but really where you are confident like this is a, a great intervention for these people, like how how often do you feel like you are using it during the day? The, the car is more than the pails and rails. So I've done both, but the mm-hmm. cars, because I, I can honestly, I don't, I don't know anyone that can't benefit from doing those. Yeah, I, think, I sure. think it's just good, healthy joint practices to do. And I, and I like that how they coin it the morning routine, how we should all be doing something yeah, yeah. in the morning. And and so I have used a lot. And, and the feedback I got from the patients, they're like, oh, I feel great after doing this. Yeah, so sure. I can feel how this has benefited me. I hadn't turned my head this far in years, and yeah, I can yeah. see how that can be important and little comments like that. Yeah. And, and the pails and rails have been really good for my weightlifters and crossfitters too when they're trying to basically just using that concept of getting them strong in certain positions like for the sure. bottom of the squat. And, and again, you, you know, anytime you do isometric contract relax type stuff, it's parlor tricks, right? You can do a million things to, to create right. short-term sure. improvement. And so it's what you do after that, what do you do to make this stick? And a lot of times it can be just simple as training. Yeah. But when people can kind of see the, the tests and the retests and the short-term benefits and you don't sell it as, okay, yeah, we just, you know, lengthen your joint capsule, lengthen your you know, yeah. hip, whatever it is. It's like, no, this is a temporary thing. It's going to tighten right back up in a couple of days, a couple hours, something like that. Right. So let's think about how we would time this. Let's do this. Let's take two minutes before you squat, knock this out, load it up. You know, maybe go slow. You know, eccentric, isometric, focus, tempo, that kind of thing, and uh, and then that'll make it stick over time. Yeah, yeah, yeah hit the yeah. save button. Right, um, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, that's it's, why I it's like we've all typed up drafts yeah. and actually not hit save and start over. It's the same shit with my right. body work. If Absolutely. we're not hitting save somehow, mm-hmm. we're we're wasting our time. Yeah. For sure. So um, I guess one, the one follow, one follow up I have, like you're saying, like okay, take that, take that example. The person like I haven't turned my neck this far in years, right? Mm-hmm. Let's say that person comes in. It's more like just a classic mechanical neck pain type thing where yep. they are limited to one side and it is painful. Yes. Um, how does that change how you would approach this versus like uh, somebody who maybe it, it, there's there's stiffness on board but it's like stiffness dominant it's not pain dominant. Yes. What's, yeah, talk to me about so, that. So, a so that's, a, that's, a, that's a really good question and that's something that they address from the jump because this course is a mix of 
PTs. I think there's some chiros there, but probably mostly Straight personal coaches, trainers, personal training coaches. Yeah, and so the example you talked about is if you're having someone do a, a net car and, and you're having them rotate to certain side, like I have pain, it feels sharp, achy on the yeah, yeah. on the closing side. Mm-hmm. So they recommend if you, you know obviously get it assessed, get it treated by a right. clinician. But if you're still going to have them do cars, they can work around it. So if you think about the car. Basically, if you think about it in its purest form, it's a circle, right? Right, right. But you might work around it, basically creating this almost like a Pac-Man shape. So you do yeah, you skip just, that part, work yep. over it, and then just keep doing the rest. Or you can go to it and then just reverse back it, around, right? go back around. And mm-hmm. to be honest with you, a lot of times people just do that. It's probably going to clear on its own. Right? For sure, yeah. But, but then, you know, as a therapist, that's where you have you can assess it further. Right, can, right. You know, crack it, throw some needle in it, whatever. whatever. So they're not, they're not teaching you to work through that. Exactly. They're trying to work around it in the meantime while you're maybe getting addressed. Yeah, this. but also, like, on the, the the contrary point is, let's say that they have some discomfort, maybe like a stretch on the opening side. That's normal. That's yeah, exactly yeah. Right, because you're testing. So it might be something there. you want right. to work into a little bit and build right. some tolerance to that position. Right, so communication is key, right? Yeah. you gotta you got to have these good follow-up questions yeah. and kind of know what to look out for and yeah. things like that, too. So uh, that was a good question. Yeah. Well, I got it now. I'm going to follow up with another one. Hopefully, yeah. it's a decent question. Let's take... Uh, uh, we get tons of post-op shoulders, right? Mm-hmm. You get post-op shoulder, they came in, whether it be a cuff repair, a labor repair, yeah, whatever it is. Um, and, you know, obviously, those they come in, they're they're tight, they have some, maybe some range of motion restrictions early on, but let's say we're to that point where it's like, all right, we are no more restrictions, right? It's based on that we are, we are building back into full range of motion as tolerated. We've passed whatever threshold the protocol has, whatever it be. Um, so where would that fit in with someone like that potentially? Like, you know, I think our classic, you know, you're ranging a shoulder, post-op shoulder. How would you incorporate that? Just having them go to like a modified range of motion, whatever range of motion they have now that we have no restrictions mm-hmm. or is it something you, you where, where do you fit that in? Yeah. I th- as a therapist, you should have a good idea of active versus passive and right. But if you say, say, just we're just going to just, yeah, let's say they're they're active and they're passive is pretty similar. This is pretty like their passive is limited to. Yeah. So they basically made the comment. I'd rather them have a new partial range crappy cars and do no cars at all. So I'd rather move some than not move at all. That's what I was going to say. Like we need to have gotten more passive before we could put it in. Or is it something you can start doing that? Yeah. The circle could be really small. It needs to be within their tolerance. And then over time, they just, they're consistent with it. That'll probably improve. Now, of course, like you're not just going to spend a whole hour doing cars. It might be like five minutes. I mean, think about when we get a post-op shoulder and a lot of times you have them on the table and you're working on that shoulder for a little while it seems like this would be a logical addition within yep, that absolutely yeah yeah so it, yeah i think it would definitely fit in well but yeah so crappy cars are better than no cars so just just move. Good rule yeah, small circle better, better than big circle better than no circles right so yeah for yeah. sure i've yeah. thinking about like because then my i think in my case right now i have multiple post-up shoulders but i got a couple frozen shoulders mm-hmm. too yep. and then so it's like all right you know that person is limited too mm-hmm. um and i've got a frozen shoulder right now that's not limited by pain it doesn't really hurt at all that just thing ain't moving right um, mm-hmm. so i started thinking about like okay would this be a great you know something for that that person to go within their range of motion trying to slowly make change over time sure. as we go through this process so I can already see where I'm going to throw it, throw it cool. in a few times yeah uh, yeah. so, so we'll, we'll, I'll take, I'll take the whole staff or yeah. op- optional staff meeting whoever wants to be there I'm going to take them through the morning routine and uh, you know I'll, I'll try to um, be as nuanced as I can with the details so y'all think about your patients and yeah think for about sure I'm excited for sure. yeah, this will cool. be good um, no I think it's fun I'm glad that you went to do it and it's making me want to go do it too yeah. but I think I remember you saying the same thing about when after we talked about uh, when you went to the McKenzie course um, and how like you know you we'd all been do, we've all been doing elements of McKenzie you know that we learn in PT school or mm-hmm. after that but then you go and, and you take it and it is about the details right. of that particular thing and so it's kind of it sounds yeah. like this is very similar that there are certain details that you may not fully grasp until you actually take it and 
and then that is going to be what really makes the magic happen in the clinic. For sure. And yeah, so, McKenzie's more than prone press ups, and and FRC's more than just joint circles. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. I think that that's yeah making me yeah. want to take it too. I got to start yeah. looking for a course near. Yeah, I think I, I think I think anyone here would get a lot out of it. I think they'd be glad that they did it. For sure. Money yeah. Selfish, selfishly, I just try to learn it from whoever went there. <laughs> <laughs> I, and I would say this too. They, yeah. they, they, all, they were offering online courses when the COVID stuff was so going on. And, and, yeah, and they were even saying, yeah, I mean, it was, it was better than nothing. We just did what we had to mm-hmm. do, but I don't recommend doing online. I recommend coming in person. I feel like something like this where there's such a nuance to the practical side mm-hmm. and really, I feel like as a clinician, you really need to feel it in a lot mm-hmm. of ways. And you, you sitting in your house trying to do it over it, oh, yeah. it's probably going to be hard to mimic and, or replicate. And I would say this, like film yourself doing the morning routine because it's going to look way different than what you think is going to look. It probably looks terrible. Yeah, it looks, it's gonna look so yeah, bad. Yeah, oh, my it does, yeah. it's, oh my goodness. Yeah. This is gonna be this is gonna be terrible. Oh, like, yeah. you know, I'm gonna film it and have you watch it. <laughs> Tell me what you think. I'll be watching all y'all next week. Oh so. my gosh, yeah, we'll be I'll be hiding in the <laughs> corner. <laughs> oh man. So anyway, yeah, we had another uh, listener question. Yeah, we're kind of striking these off the list. So listener question, we it was uh, basically wanted us to address PT burnout with new grads in particular. So yeah, yeah, for sure. Any any initial thoughts about that? I know we've yeah, touched on this before in previous yeah, yeah. episodes, but I think our perspectives kind of change as we for change sure. too. So yeah, yeah, I, I, I think I, I put myself not in the new grad category anymore. Mm-hmm. which is interesting because it's still you always I don't know about you but I still feel like a new grad even though I've been mm-hmm. practicing a few years now or a couple two and a half something like that however many years um, it, it uh, I still feel like a new grad but I know I guess I'm technically not in that category anymore but I know as new grads coming out um, the burnout mo- I'm assuming most likely happens because it's probably a little bit of a um, kind of an overload in terms of if you're thrown into a situation where you're seeing a whole lot of patients, a whole lot of paperwork, maybe not the mentorship around it. So you're trying to figure out what you want to do with each person. So you're having to look up a bunch of stuff you're having to go through. I feel like that's probably just ends up being a, a workload that really is just not manageable um, early on. And that probably is what drives a lot of new grads that get out of the profession a little bit earlier or other things. It just ends up being more than they were ready for. Um, and so I don't, you know, in terms of how to combat that or how to make sure that is, is really evaluating the situation you're going into first um, and, and having super clear expectations both of what the, you know, you having very clear expectations of what the job's going to be and what you're going to be provided by that company and that business, but also them having, you know, very clear and transparent job description and, and all those things. So there's no nothing hidden going in to where you know, like, all right, I'm going to see this many patients. I know that I'm going to use this system. I know documentation is going to take about this long. I know I'm going to have this much mentorship. And, and I think it's really more about if you're trying to prevent it as a new grad, a lot of it probably is evaluating the situation you're going into and, and making sure it's one you feel like you're comfortable with. Um, and then, you know, creating, you know, if it, you know, also trying to create a little bit of a support system around that and having, having, if there aren't going to be a lot of mentorship during, you know, with that company is, mm-hmm. is finding ways to have some mentorship type stuff, either with people that you already know or, or um, you know, people from your, your DPT program as students or professors. But I think a lot of it is just evaluating the situation you're going into first. The first thing that comes to mind when I think new grad and burnout is just like is setting, you You know, you might be set up for failure depending on what you're walking into. Right. Yep. Yeah. yeah. That's the first, at least that's the first thing that came to yeah, my mind. Those are, all, those are all points. So so we see this pop up a lot. It's like on the social media groups, like on Facebook, you'll see that. Burnout, 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 burnout. Yeah. Burn yeah. Out. yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, maybe that's a reflection of the, the just the overall mental state of the country right now. But 
the, the other thing too is, you know, when, when I when I see this, it, especially when it's coming from someone in a leadership position, like it, it immediately just makes my spidey senses tingle because that that mentality will get so contagious and run through an organization oh, yeah. so fast, mm-hmm. right? So so to be honest with you, if you're in a leadership position, even if you're feeling that way, you probably don't want to express that. No, you to gotta fake people. it. You gotta fake it, man. <laughs> right? gonna, yeah. yeah and imagine even, if we came in and we act like we hate oh, our company every day, yeah. like uh, how the yeah. hell that would be. And it might not, and the thing thing is, it's not be an immediate thing, right? It's going to be like, oh, okay, no, I feel burned out too. It's it's, it's like a slow trickle, mm-hmm. right? Over the course of the next mm-hmm. weeks, months. You it's know, even it your body language, how yep. you talk with patients, yep. how you talk with the rest of the staff, the front yep. desk staff. Like that's, yeah. That's the, cancer, right? Mm-hmm. Regardless how you feel it about spreads, burnout. Man. Yeah, so so just something just to keep in mind. And then I guess as a clinician, just like, so, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to address this from both sides because... Just anything in life. Historically, whenever you're half a foot in, half a foot out, you're going to be all the way out eventually, yeah. right? Again, it might not be immediate, but later on down the road. And and the fact is, is you know, if if you're not all in on this profession, right? And you, every patient that comes to the door, you're not treating it like it's the Super Bowl. Just do something else. Get out, right? Mm-hmm. There's there's plenty of people who are dying for the opportunity to be in your position, right? Yeah. If you're not in the ideal clinic, so just just keep that in mind. There's always somebody else. And out there are there. other roles you can go into that still utilize yes. your skills that are more administrative right. in nature or whatever it might be. You yeah. can you can get out of the clinic right. if if that is not something you're passionate about anymore. So so here's that's the other side of this, yeah. right? So with that being said, I also have to acknowledge we're all different, right? We all have different upbringings and things that do contribute to kind of that, that mental state. And so I think that one of the things that tends to, to help is knowing that there are opportunities for growth, right? Mm-hmm. So that way you can pivot. You have the option to pivot in a new position. Even if you have your DPT degree, you don't have to be a clinician. You can teach. You can research. You can mm-hmm. work in the insurance industry. Yeah, there's yeah. so many different things you can do with that Within degree. the hospital system yeah, in different yeah, ways, yeah. administrative roles. Right. So there's, there's other options there. It's just not for you, right? It's not for everybody, mm-hmm. right? So we do have to acknowledge that. And and I think, too, just doing things outside of work to take care of me. I think mm-hmm. that our brains are wired for growth, right? Growth yeah. opportunities. That's why PTs like to pursue certifications and, and kind of continue to grow and things like that. But, you know, if that's some type of a, like a hobby, you know, fitness, we can get that. We can achieve that by, yeah. you know, chasing numbers and whatever that, you know, whether you're like a distance runner or CrossFit or whatever it might be, mm-hmm. um, things like that, too. But, you know, doing things like that to make sure you're in a position of where there is growth, and you're not just getting stagnant, right? Because mm-hmm. otherwise, you're just idling and there's no passion in the work. For sure. Yeah. It's, it's, I feel like it's, if you're experiencing that as a new grad, that, that's, that's really tough because it's like, you know, we think burnout, we, you know, classically, you think of it more as somebody who's been doing this for so long, they're just tired of doing the same thing, yep. which for me, every day feels so different that mm-hmm. I really don't, at least I don't envision that happening to, to, to us necessarily. But like, I can understand people, if they've been in a mill for a long time, they're probably tired of that environment. Oh, yeah. I get it. Um, but if it's a new grad, you know, you, part of it is going to be trying to figure out kind of, well, what is your ideal setting? You know, are you, what, who do you want to be treating? And if it's something where, you know, you are not seeing the type of patient that you want, um, or that you're not in the type of setting that you want, or the patient volume is not where you want, you know, being okay with like, waiting and seeking out the right opportunity or making your own opportunity, mm-hmm. right? There's nothing to say as a new grad. I know this this might be taboo in some circles that like people think new grads can't have their own clinics or can't have their own side hustle or mm-hmm. can't have whatever it might be. Like there's nothing to say you can do a little bit of home health and open your own cash thing and do um, and treat the population you want to treat and create the job that you want to create. Yep. If you're if you really are feeling that way and you want change, sometimes you have to just take it, you know, take the bull by the horns and do it yourself. Um, yep. And I know not everybody wants to be a clinic owner 
owner and other things. But there are so many different practices out there that are doing unique things. There's probably someone that has the niche that you want that you could find a way to become involved with. Yep, um, absolutely. And foster that. Yeah. And and even with that being said too, there, they, they call it the unicorn fallacy. There's there's no such thing as the perfect job. Right? No. And even all. if you create your your ideal clinic, caseload, things like that, there's always going to be things that aren't perfect about that. And that's life. Right. That is. That, that's life. So people that try to sell you online coaching and business leaders, all that kind of stuff. You did, there, there's no perfect situation. So just you have to accept that, and you constantly have to just be striving every day just to just to put yourself in a better situation. And then the other thing too is don't be afraid to speak up to your employer, yeah, your boss, right? For because, sure. Because again, like employers, you're, they're going to have a completely different perspective than employers. Right? Because you're, you're just you just it's just different being on the backside of things. Yep. So be don't be afraid to speak up because the most valuable asset to any business is the employees. So we want to do whatever we can to keep people yeah, happy, exactly. keep them invested, and, and engaged. And, and I think people get yeah. more, like I, I like to think that we've fostered an environment in which people feel like they can speak up. And we do have clinicians that will tell us what they need and what they and what their hopes yeah, and I what mean, they need. And so and, that is and, super helpful. And they'll, and they'll talk shit about the restaurant that you wear to work. Yeah, yeah, yeah Brandon's dressed like Jake from State yeah. Farm. So I think that a lot of that is as a business owner, we're trying to foster that. But if you're you know, also too like – I don't take it personally, or I, I like to think that we don't take it personally. If someone comes, if one of our employees were to come to us and talk about something that they think that they want or need changed, or something that they want help with, or, or things that they feel um, you know are not the way that they, they thought they were going to be, or want you know that kind of like mm-hmm. if anything that 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 helps build a better rapport in a way because it's it's helping us understand the perspective that they have, but also then it allows us to explain our perspective on whatever the situation might be. And then there's a way that we can co- collaborate and collectively come to a solution and figure that it, it's not a, it, I feel like people are also a lot of times afraid to talk to their, their superiors or their bosses yep. about things. And I like to think that we're trying to for, foster something where it's not like that. And, and it doesn't seem like that that's a problem here. But if that's a situation where you're not happy with what it is, like you got to be willing to speak up a little bit. Yeah. And, you, and you'll be surprised like more often than not, you'll get what you want. Want, right? For sure, it's America. Yeah. If you get to one, you got to speak up. I think it is so much. It is it is so from a business perspective, and just as Phil fills into all the people who don't own their own business here, it is so much more cost effective and helpful and better long term to keep the employees that you have that are good employees happy mm-hmm. and hungry and, and keep them loving their job than it is to save, try to save a little bit of money or cut corners, do these things, and then have to have high turnover. Mm-hmm. It is it, it is so much easier to focus on trying to be what do does each employee need to make this a great experience for them and, and so most of the employers are you know unless you're in some big chain somewhere maybe that's not their mindset but most of the small practices they want their employees to feel good mm-hmm. and feel happy and that kind of thing and so yeah bring it bring it up talk yep. about it yep um, absolutely but yeah i think that the i was trying i had another thought before we got on that tangent i'm trying to think if it pops back into my head but um in terms of like creating the job that you want. I can't remember what I was yeah, going to say. But, but I think I think the theme I as you and I have been going back and forth with this is it's up to you to, to make things happen. It, it, whether that's sure. whether that's speaking up, whether that's creating your own yeah. job profession, mm-hmm. or that's just making a change. It's up to you. You gotta do it, right? Yeah, for sure. So, exactly. And that's you gotta take ownership, it, take accountability, it, take responsibility. One hundred percent. And then and but then like if you do come and, and take try to take that ownership of it and you're not seeing the collective result from it, it might be time to change. Like not mm-hmm. every job 
job is most people don't stay in the same job forever, right? Um, you know, I like to think that we. I hope that we, you know we're lucky. We got a great staff, man, and I hope we can keep them all forever, right? Yeah. Um, realistically, life happens, right? That might, it's probably not going to be the case. Just inevitably, people you know will do other things. Um, but you know, if you're if you are in a position and you're trying to make these things known to help improve your work environment and everything that's going on around your job, and you're not seeing the the reciprocation from the, your superiors, and they're not trying to help you, know, you with the situation, it might be time to look elsewhere, yep. and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing mm-hmm. wrong looking elsewhere, and it might be something you got to go to a different setting even to get out of a situation that you're not happy with to to find something that is tenable until you figure out more of something that's closer to your dream job. Because like you mentioned, there's no job that's perfect. And for me, I remember what I was going to say. I have kind of in my mind a list of things that are my non-negotiables and a list of the things that I can deal with a little bit more. And there are certain things for me when thinking about a job that are more my non-negotiables. I couldn't work in anywhere that isn't one-on-one. Like I just, that's that for me, that's, that's just, I don't, I don't think that I would be personally, I would be able to provide the care that I think I should provide each patient if I wasn't one-on-one. That like, there are certain things that fall into that category, right? There are other things that don't fall into that category a little bit. Like for me, it would be awesome to be cash all the time, right? To write shorter, easier notes, to not have to deal with insurance companies, to not be, you know, that kind of thing. But that's not a non-negotiable for me. That I'm okay with with putting up with a little bit of some of the headache of insurance to be able to see the type of patients I want to see and to be able to stay one-on-one. And like there, so you got to figure out what are your negotiables and non-negotiables mm-hmm. and then figure out like how do you find a job or a position that has those. And when you're looking for your first job, you should already maybe have that in your mind mm-hmm. based on your clinical experiences, that kind of thing. And if you've never seen a certain type of job, you never seen a one-on-one clinic with your experiences come shadow us <laughs> you know, come, hang come, come hang out or come find something like that mm-hmm. so then you can make that decision of like oh man like i could i i i want this you know yeah. um and, and so i think it, yeah it's exposing yourself while in school not just with your experience clinical experiences but potentially shadowing other types of facilities that you think you might want to work in or to give you as much exposure to the different options deciding what things you really need and what things you're okay with maybe not having and then finding the position that fills that. And then then within that job, kind of we mentioned, if you're in that job and something's not the way you want, talk to the people that you, you work for, your management, your clinic director, and try to figure out solutions to anything you're having a problem with. Because most of the time, they're pretty receptive. Yeah, yeah, they should they should be approachable. Right? Yeah, they should be. If you're, afraid, so. if you're afraid to talk to them, you, you, that's, that, you're that's, toxic yeah. Yeah. that's toxic work environment. Yeah, yeah, for right, sure. By definition, for yeah. sure. Awesome. So that, I mean, that was, that is, I guess, we kind of hit that all and we could rant about it yeah, all day yeah, or whatever. Yeah. but I think that it's important to to you know to know that you're probably not the only one feeling like that mm-hmm. too and your clinic director or your person ahead of you probably doesn't have the same perspective so to making them <coughs> excuse me making them aware of what you're feeling is important mm-hmm. yeah also, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I think that's a good, probably a good yeah. place to start. There we go. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you for the listener question. Keep for us sure. coming in, man. Give us topics like oh, yeah. to, to rant on and rave on and, and just get on our soapbox here and there, which is yeah. sometimes good. For sure. <laughs> but yeah, for sure. So if you have other ones, even if we don't do like one of those ask, uh, ask us anything Q or Q and A things, you can always send us a direct message about it. Mm-hmm. All right, so a little housekeeping. We got a course coming up, Body Temper in April Body temper 2nd. Body April 2nd. Yeah, April 2nd we're here, and then April 30th we are in Chi-Town, Chicago. Chicago. Yeah, it'll be good. I'm excited. Yeah. I haven't been to Chicago in a long time, yeah. so I'm excited. Cool. And uh, be sure to check out the list of affiliates in the show notes. That's growing. We're going to probably be adding a couple more here in the next yeah, week or two. Yeah, sure, get, get them discounts. Right? Dude, yeah. I know, man. I'm, I'm loving having this MedBridge stuff, man. Yeah. It's freaking it's, – it's, you were talking about, like, online content – that is actually relevant. <laughs> <Absolutely>. <laughs> that's kind of the way I look at it. Yep. So that's been helpful too, man. Yep. And, and yep. 
And be sure to hit the like button, subscribe to the podcast if you learned something, share it with your friends, family, that kind of thing. Appreciate it. Classmates, whatever. And this is a Better Faster Podcast. We're out. This episode is brought to you by Vertex PT Specialist. One patient per doctor physical therapy per hour. Guaranteed. The best physical therapy ever. Check us out at vertexpt.com or on the gram at vertexpt.